0: Welcome back to the unanimous decision podcast. I am your host D Palm. Follow me on Twitter at D Palm six follow the show on Twitter at UD pod. Follow the entire MTR network at you guess it the MTR network. You found us. Don't you dare lose us. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. Subscribe everywhere. You get your podcast for free. 99 Wednesday something. It's back. You have the Monday flagship. We talked with Chris. Had a great time there. Um, I was super right about Dylan Brooks. But we'll talk about maybe that more later this week. Tonight, or today, or whenever you're listening to this, we've got the Wednesday something. I promise it was coming. We've got, um, we're have got. we going to be talking Star Wars. We're going to be talking The Mandalorian Season 3. And we've got the person who you've all made very clear you like more than me, my wife, S. Palm herself. Good evening, Susan. Hello. Hello, hello. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. Happy to be here,
0: as always. It's been a long time since you and I talked on the podcast, not like in person. We talk all the time.
1: It's <laughs> Okay,
0: we live in the same home.
1: Uh, you're right, it has
0: been a while, but I'm still here. Yeah, it a while, well. but I appreciate you coming. I appreciate you spiking the listenership by appearing. Um, I know we'll pick up your friends now. Like Your friends will be like, ooh, Susan talked on the internet, and maybe they'll listen, or they'll say they'll listen and won't listen. Either way, if that's not true, I was kidding, ladies. Welcome to the podcast. Um, anyway, uh, this is actually the first podcast debut of heretofore unnamed baby palmer so i guess does this count for him this counts for his first pod appearance he's here he's right here (laughs) i'm never alone i'm never Never by myself anymore never (laughs) alone (laughs) well that and the dog the dog follows you everywhere he's also here you just can't see (laughs) it that makes a lot of sense um yeah so everyone who has reached out and said congratulations about the kid thank you guys very much um anyone who's and again we'll get the thank you notes going but if you've reached out via like the uh what's the registry and like thank you so much it's, it's so nice to feel loved it's so nice to feel like despite you know the, the separation we all feel there's still a community around that's excited this kid's going to be in the world we're excited and um yeah, yeah. very excited to brainwash someone else because i've got proof in front of me that brainwashing indeed works before we talk about mandalorian i want to talk about a new aspect of my brainwashing Susan, did you ever think you'd be watching playoff hockey? No, nah, so, there's violence. It's fun. <laughs> so we, uh, on Sunday afternoon, we watched the Bruins and the Florida Panthers play a game seven, went to overtime. Overtime playoff hockey is the best thing in the world. You had it in game seven. It was just sublime. And uh, once Susan stopped giggling at the fact that there was a hockey team in Florida, it really settled into a lot of fun. Um, she was with me and cheering against Boston and yeah that was that's why i get excited this time of year because there's basketball there's hockey and you're just like wait you're always watching the television now
1: yes it's true and just to clarify it's less brainwashing
0: and more you've just beaten me down it's just easier this way that's that's to not, just joining i i i object to the violent language used i've submitted um, i would say that the thing we're about to talk next is not a beating down thing this is straight up and maybe it's not brainwashing maybe it's just like it's so funny so people ask me how did you get your, your wife to like tolerate wrestling and i'm like oh well just overexposure but like when it does how did i get her to enjoy Star Wars?" i go bro i just opened the door and she walked through and she's made it her own um like was it the, was this a pandemic journey for you yeah i i mean we we started
1: watching it was really watching Clone Wars and Rebels, watching the okay, animated Okay, so that was series. definitely a pandemic. Yes, and then after we watched those series, I was like, I need to go back and rewatch because I had seen all the movies at that point, but I went back and rewatched everything in chronological order, not release order.
0: you. Gotcha. And that was a good time. That was yeah, good time. it was. And now you know, it's, we, had, um, we had lots of time. We had so much time inside. But now it's evolved into a thing where they're putting out new Star Wars material and not only are you engaging with it you're excited with it you've got i'm gonna expose you a little bit here what are you listening to right now with an audiobook in your car
1: oh my god uh the new republic series <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you know i you know they drug us all back to the office it's fine. <laughs> fine uh you know i go into the office four days a week we live in atlanta so traffic is a thing and i've been listening to the new relic series and i'm loving it i'm
0: loving it. furthering yeah. my nerddom it's i'm just couldn't be happier to have you and this past weekend when jedi survivor came out and i lost a little piece of myself to that game i realized that we needed to sit down we need to talk about the star wars things that are happening they keep bringing more and more stuff and i know we're going to be doing um ahsoka on the network this summer We might do something here because, again, you're going to spike the viewership numbers. People are going to listen to the podcast because Susan Palmer's on there. So um, we talked about the pandemic journey. Let's talk about kind of the Mandalorian. When it was announced, I don't know how excited everyone was for it, but by the time it came out, you and I had already been through Rebels, Clone Wars. So you were very hungry for Mandalore content. Yes. Uh, We always want more. And they keep delivering. And the, that's the thing they keep delivering. The first season was very much lone wolf and cub. It was this smaller thing that that I don't want to say mayor's kind of um, Fioni's approach to, to series, but it always does feel like that first season is going to feel smaller, even if it's not like you get the hints of a larger world, like the first season of rebels, where you get Death Raider at the end and Ahsoka at the very end, and you start to feel it like it's a little bigger. But I think he really found really good pacing with this because season two becomes how do these new characters we've interacted with fit into a larger world? And you have the first appearance of Bo Katan, and you've got uh the the furthering of the Moff Gideon storyline and kind of I mean, obviously like the deep fake Luke Skywalker. I mean, he can't not mention that. And then you had Book of may, uh Boba Fett, which was and people people's mileage may vary. I thought I enjoyed it. I did too. I, I mean, just any. I mean,
1: we're the target audience, obviously. Real. But just any story that gives us more depth mm-hmm. to what we already know. It's like, yes, we've we've seen stories told within this time frame, within these worlds. We're aware of these characters, but they're giving us
0: more information and more story. And
1: I, I for one, am enjoying it.
0: I do have to print out that timeline one day and just like just really set it out in front of you oh, and yeah. tape it to a wall. Um, oh, I can't remember anything, so. <laughs> no, but you're 100% right. Oh, as soon right. as I said.
1: Sorry, you did. No. I was just oh. going to say, as soon as I. What did I say? New Republic? High, I'm like, I don't even remember the name of the series. Everyone knew it was too. the High
0: Republic. Everyone yeah, knew that's that. what I
1: said. I said
0: that. <laughs> anyway, um, so on the tail end of, of Boba Fett, which I thought was really cool, and it's cool for you to say, I like hearing you engage with that kind of stuff because nerds for years had kind of built Boba Fett into this apocryphal, like, a uh, bounty hunter. He's only on screen at the end of Empire and the beginning of Jedi. And they had built, this, and, of course, the Christmas special, which we're not allowed to talk about. Um, they built this huge internal mythos behind it. And what I thought was interesting is that when Lucas came back through the prequels, he very candidly was telling us Boba Fett's story. The clones are based on his father. He was an unaltered clone. And he watched his dad see, hey, cut off by a Jedi. And then when we got Clone Wars and Rebels and those interactions with him in those different casts, the end point we got in the show, I thought, made more sense for you and me because we had watched this character kind of grow and change and de- develop who he was going to be as a bounty on that. Yeah. Because people came into the Boba Fett like, oh, this is that badass who was, no, man, that's that's all head, you you, 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 you fantasy book it. You wanted it to be this way but it's a different character so I'm always I, yeah. I'm excited to talk to you about that kind of stuff too
1: well I I a lot of the critique I've seen of the new the newer shows and the newer storylines is that it takes them too long to get to the core of the storyline that the lead character is like you know focused on it's like oh why didn't they get there faster it's like why do they need to get there faster like we know there's gonna be more and I, I love learning about, like, the sand, more about the sand people in right. Boba Fett. Like, I want to know more about these characters that have always existed in these stories. Like, it doesn't, who cares? What's it? It's a side mission. Like,
0: it's fun. <laughs> it's, it doesn't, and, 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 speed it. and you get to learn more about the characters watching them be in those places, like, watching Boba Fett. Harden and strengthen and develop his sense of honor and his personal code by being rescued by the Sand People. Like he fell into the Starlight Hole and like from there, like fanboys for 40 years were like, "Here's what happened." And it's like, nah, man. He got chewed up. He got spit out because the armor's tough. And it sucked to try to fix himself. Yeah. That's about it.
1: Yep. Well, and it just shows. Like uh, I don't know. There are so many things that I love about Star Wars, but I they do in these stories they do such a good job of. Showing you how a character got to where they are. So like right. how you know why this is a good guy, why this is a bad guy. It's not that simple. Good guys and bad guys. And then good. sometimes
0: it's just Moff getting and it's like, oh, we just need someone deplorable sometimes on the other it side of <laughs> yeah thing. Let's talk about season three of Mandalorian. I I you you mentioned some of the critiques that you've seen. I ignore a lot of the critiques because I think everyone's here to make money, and getting people mad is a better way to make money than telling the truth. But. I'll say this. I really enjoyed the pacing of this season because while essentially if you took a step back and said, listen, about them taking back Mandalore, that sentence in and of itself has a lot of parts that are problematic because going into season three, going into the century long history of the planet, there'd never really been a united Mandalore. And yeah. you're seeing it now when you're reading the High Republic books. You're going to see, if you're seeing stuff like that, like, oh, they've always been. Too warlike to even in the finale when Bo-Katan is shown the gardens or shown what can grow on this planet and there are no records of that. And yep. so for them to say, oh, they just took back Mandalore, what's the big deal? You also have to unite like deeply divided segments of this culture. The children of the Watch aren't all ethnically Mandalorian. Yeah. Din Jardin's yeah, a, a family, it. and so they and their devotion is different than Bo Katan's, it's different than uh, uh, Sasha Banks's. I don't know her character, uh, I do know it. Uh, it's gonna Cosco Reeve, it's 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 spread all over the place, and so they give us all these different slices of what Mandalorians are, and in the process, they give us a better feeling for the Outer Rim and the and the uh, the universe, the galaxy they're playing in, so when we get them to go like even to the minds of Mandalore and like go underwater and see that stuff, like it's so fascinating that they were able to 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 be, to create it, make it feel like such a full world where even people like you and me who have seen a lot of this stuff in other formats, it's still surprising, it's still kind of captivating. Yeah, it's the world building. It's like, why, mm-hmm. why would you want to skip over that? Like, eh. mm-hmm.
1: and at the end of the day, we still got a very satisfying, ending to the season and we the character oh, got to where i think most of us wanted him to get you yeah. know it's ugh, oh man yeah just and then you talk about you know the, i like the, i like reading the critique i like
0: getting angry it's fun i know you do I mean, you're, <laughs> you're fueled by rage um yeah. and then you get the the subsequent like other half of the story with this seemingly reformed imperial officer running undercover ops of the republic and so for me That's one of the cool things about Star Wars is that it is always going to be reflective of the time it's written in. Um original trilogy is a direct reflection of the Vietnam War. The prequel trilogy is a direct reflection of uh George Bush and you know everything that happened there. And this one is because they're able to hop around, they're able to tailor the story, but this is the story of end stage capitalism and failures of a nation. Like Andor was like a lot more explicitly political, like Andor was like hitting you over the head, like everything you're doing is a lie. (laughs) And this was very much, one, the institutional failures of government and being spread too thin, but two, what those failures actually mean. Because the New Republic not going to Mandalore means unless Din Djarin gives them a full rundown on what happened, they don't know about the cloning experiments. They don't know about the reappropriation of beskar luke skywalker uh when he came in not killing moff gideon not using his platform not using the new jedi order he's trying to establish proactively it's a it's very interesting that in showing us the bigger things here the smaller things they're not saying is the the following sequel trilogy is because of the failures of the Republic now that we're watching in Mandalorian season three and the failures of Luke Skywalker that he addresses directly in the new trilogy. Yep. And so for me, like that's, it just kind of lays bare like, oh, y'all came up short because you wouldn't take care of your house because what did they say to, in the new Republic? They said, hey, that's too far out, man. It's the outer rim. We don't have time or jurisdiction to go out there.
1: Yep. No, I totally agree sorry the dog's barking and I got distracted uh <laughs> what can it no be? I I would argue that I and mean, it's the political stuff you know like mm. I, I think some of the people who are critical of the story not moving along they're not interested in the, those things or interested in understanding the depth of of that you know like I I love it I it's helpful that I have you to help explain those things to me because I I'm just going to be honest I don't know that I would always <laughs> catch on to them um but it's true like uh the the whole storyline of seeing seeing that uh the soldier who is like they're trying to reform these characters mm-hmm. like that that's super interesting yes it's very left field from you know what a lot of people want to see with mando but it's super interesting and relatable and i don't know i i liked
0: it and then and you talk like, about like episodes that were episode six this season. With uh, Lizzo and Jack Black, and, and people were like, "Oh, so I feel fun. a certain way about this." It's how dare they have fun? <laughs> well, it's fun. how dare we have a good time? But it also directly speaks to like kind of what's happening now. Everyone's got this fear of what's next because of automation. And I think there's a lot more concern about that here. But it's it's presented by letting uh, Doc Brown uh, undermine the machines and like whine about like people are getting lazy because they're doing things for them. But it's also the realization that these people have been through war for generations. Like there's a piece of that that wants, that's aching for peace and is willing to give up anything to get there. And so like, even in the throwaway stuff, even in the stuff that people would say, oh, it's just filler quote unquote, not, I mean, they only have eight episodes. They're not filling out a bunch.
1: Yeah, it's also how they picked up the rest of like all those Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. Like that episode is what got us there, but I mean, any anytime there's an episode that I'm a child, like more the more humanized droids, the better. Like yes, I, this is a, Susan's I, a
0: big it. droid fan. Um, oh. I think the next dog's gonna be named Chopper, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, <please>. But the, <laughs> but that I think that's really cool. And then you look at kind of the cusp of what's next. Like we've seen the stills in the trailer for Ahsoka, which looks like they took Rebels and just said. We're gonna make it live action and oh. it's to the point where i was like i didn't know i wanted that but like mary elizabeth winstead is harrison doula that's a good idea let's film that yeah. and it seems like they're gonna do it well casted for sure very well casted it's also super interesting as you look kind of the announcements we've seen the Fioni movies coming which i always thought was going to be i honestly them giving him a movie gives me pause on what i think comes next here Because for years I've been saying they're building up to this, to letting the Outer Rim be some sort of like new frontier battle. Star Wars works best when it's a Western. The old frontier is the old West. Um, I just, subtext was bugging me for a second there. Um, But with the knowing that Thrawn's coming, knowing that he and Ezra have been missing for this time, knowing that this end, the end point, we know the end point is this heretofore unknown, fleet in the Outer Reaches that culminates in the finale of the Laramie's Control*. And what's exciting for me is that I have all the faith in the world that they're going to give us the stepping stones to the First Order, to this uh, remnant army on the Outer Rim, outside the Outer Rim, excuse me, because that's already what they've done. Everyone who complained about Palpatine saying, oh, you recycled a villain. No one's complaining now. Because they've explained the steps they took that's one of the things i think super interesting about star wars versus the mcu is star wars is because it started as a movie franchise first they're able to use the movies as big temples and they use shows and like you said books and comics and other things and fill in that back matter and video games and they're able to fill in that matter in between the mcu is kind of they're adapting from comics which don't directly translate to movies, which definitely don't directly translate back to television all the time. And so it feels like because they're, because the medium originated in another place, them working backwards from just movies is a huge benefit to them. Because everything they do speaks that same language or can be translated easier. It's harder to translate a commercial break or an ax break if you're coming from comic books. Or oh, how should we break this thing up? It's it's just interesting and different, especially when you're trying to do it even as a movie because it's really just one story. Here you're able to tell so many different stories that are so serialized and connected, and they fit in this larger tapestry. That, and I'm I'm excited for me playing the game now because the game has it's set pre-Star uh, Wars, A New hope, but it's also touching on the High Republic stuff. So like it's. I don't know. I think we're living in some sort of golden age. And what's super sad is that we're recording this on the 2nd of May, which means recording this immediately thereafter the Writers Guild strike. And there are people listening here who don't care, and that's fine, but it's my podcast and it's the Wednesday something, so I'm going to rant for a second. The content that you love is only possible through creatives. And the last time they had a strike, the network said, hey, Internet's probably a fad. We don't know what's going to happen there. Let's deal with that later. The guild said, no, let's deal with it now. And today, 13, or 16 years later, they have 50% of their membership right for streamers. This is one of those things where you can point directly to the benefits that writers have. And a lot of people think that writers are, I don't even know, like some sort of money delete. But no, these are creative kids. Those are the, these are the nerds in your creative writing class in high school, man. These are not billionaires on jet skis that are made of gold. They're just people trying to make a living. And because the model has changed so quickly and so fast, and because you see this all over the world, because technology is moving faster than laws could ever hope to keep up, the workers are getting pushed out. And when you see the strength of the writers who say, oh, wow, they're doing this to protect not just themselves, but future generations, that's so powerful. You've got networks who can't put on those comedy shows every night because they're standing with the Guild, and that's ad revenue they've already sold. This is a very real thing. And if anyone who's too young to remember the Writers Guild strike in 2007, well, Landry on Friday Night Lights was a nice young man because of the writer's Guild strike they made him a murderer they damn near made him a serial killer and now when you see the actor you know something horrible is going to happen in your show so we don't need that that's how we got jersey shore that's how we got the celebrity apprentice there's a very direct line from the writer's strike to donald trump being president so maybe just maybe we give these people what they want because who knows maybe they're writing our futures i don't know that they're not and i don't want that kind of power if they're mad um that's enough ranting. I apologize, Susan, for doing that. But I had to get it off my chest. Also, anyone listening who works in a place that used to have a union or wants to have a union, you should look around and see what would happen if they treated you poorly. Would your union work with you or is there no union? Anyway, um Yeah, Susan, this is uh this is wild to me because like they're talking about loath wolves in interviews about Ahsoka.
1: I know. <laughs> like Smoke. the nerdy it's so, super nerdy sci-fi stuff
0: not even see and this is okay so this is where you guys are a little picture in our house anytime something super crazy happens I just call it Jedi woo bullshit and it's I, I have a feeling the Soka series is going to be dipped in it <laughs> because they gave yeah. us very very straightforward Mandalorian stuff this season last season and in a book of Boba Fett there's no wizardry at all in Andor and if I know Dave Fioni like I do, think I do as I begin my next rewatch of Rebels, no one lives yet, loves Jedi woo woo bullshit like Dave Fioni in that stupid hat. Yeah. I'm kidding yeah, about the hat. But that many, the hat isn't bad. That
1: many characters from Rebels, like they've hinted at being in in that show. Absolutely.
0: We're going to be getting a movie about the first Jedi, which is going to tie into the planet Mortis stuff and the room between rooms. Like if you don't know what I'm talking about, God bless you. You have, you had a life in the pandemic. You didn't sit around watching rebels unlike us, which we did. So we know what we're talking about. Susan, thank you so much for coming on. We're going to have you on one of the main shows very, very soon because um, I think we talk about sports in a fun way, Um, but I didn't want to do it this week because Honestly, we're trying to get our feedback understanding people to listen to me and not just be like bring back more Susan. <laughs> so uh, anything you want to say on the way out of here. I think I'm good. Thanks for having me back on. I, I don't know where you've
1: gotten this idea that everyone loves me, but I'll take it.
0: Yeah, you will. Um, I'm on my way to open mic at Tender's Cantina. If you're in Atlanta and you want to laugh on a Tuesday, I do open mic there on every Tuesday at nine o'clock. Um, and yeah also if you're in atlanta and you're gonna i was gonna go up on wednesday so i had to do the math in my head if you're in atlanta and you're gonna be around on thursday i am gonna be doing the laugh dabs and laughs open mic at bookstore gallery at 8 p.m um yeah so i'll be there and that is what's gonna happen show the doors are at seven uh shows at eight and i guess it's gonna be a collection of local comedians so i signed up for that today and i just told you that right now on the air um <laughs> That's all we've got for this week. Um, I'm going to see if I can squeeze out another uh, maybe mini podcast before the week's over. But maybe we'll just see on the flagship Monday. That was your show. There is no outro. See you guys real soon.